listening to the Nerds Assemble podcast. To episode 296 of the Nerd Assemble podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Paul. And I'm Paul, aka Retroid. Uh, this week we're just doing a general catch up after uh, having a break because of anniversaries and various other bits and pieces. Um, obviously, dur- dur- during the past couple of weeks, the world's gone to something. Um, and... he, he keeps finding layers of hell. Yeah. Um, it's certainly the worst timeline we're currently in. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, I'm just wondering who I should let go first at the moment. Maybe I should talk about my main thing for the minute. Should I talk yeah. about my main thing? Okay. All right. So I have been playing Elden Ring, um, which is probably to the astonishment of most people who listen to the show, considering that I've shown only the minutest of interest in anything related from some from software previously and when i say minutest i mean 15 minutes of dark souls on xbox 360 many many years ago um and i'm actually almost 30 hours into elden ring now okay i've defeated three storyline bosses um and i still want to keep playing so um yeah considering i mean because obviously like unlike their souls games uh was it bloodborne um and that other one which i can't remember the name of at the moment um demon souls well demon souls is basically the precursor to Dark Souls, it's just it was PlayStation exclusive at the time. Um, they've got another one, but I can't remember the name of it, that's sort of similar thing, but different universe. Anyway. Yeah, uh, the, the open world nature of Elden Ring kind of has drawn me in quite a bit. I'll admit, I ended up pre-ordering the game after seeing a bit more about it, and then just being like, oh. And so I, I actually had the game on game day, but I didn't get to play it until late after the weekend or like the Sunday after it had been released um, I have died plenty this, uh, I've died a hell of a lot playing it but it hasn't made me hate it in a way that it, it made me want to stop playing um, yay I mean I think part of the thing is though, that it's it's a game that um, obviously, you know, have deaths that are meaningful, but also gives you a way to try and kind of get back some mm. of your, you know, what you've lost. So it's kind of like a fail fast and fail, you know, yeah. and learn from it type thing. Uh, I think because, uh, like, I literally, guys, I don't. To the, just refer to everyone who's listening I don't know the Dark, Dark Soul games that much and I know that there's like a whole load of aspects in Elden Ring from what I can tell that have basically been 
turned into something in Elden Ring, but given different names and aesthetics. So, like, in Elden Ring, you have Sights of Grace, which I think is the Elden Ring equivalent of, like, a Dark Souls kind of, like, a bonfire. Or, or campfire or something. Mm. Anyway, uh, Sights of Grace are all dotted about the place. And basically, them and a type of statue, I think it's Maraca statues, Maraca statues, um, you can respawn at them after you've died. Um, obviously, key, key to not getting completely insane with the game is to make sure that you discover as many of these spots as possible before then going back to where you did die retrieving because uh, you lose runes which you use for both leveling up and buying things in the game and whenever you die and you've got runes on you you lose those runes but you can go and retrieve them but if you don't retrieve them before you die again you do lose them permanently um but it's like it's hand holding my hand far less than Skyrim. But it's as open world as something like Skyrim. But it's prettier than Skyrim. So can you see where I'm going with this? Which I think is it was already hard baked into probably being something I might want to go with. It's just that it's an open world game which puts combat more at the forefront, basically. It's like combat is essential in this game and I'm playing a magically dodgy character starting class and basically they they kind of hit hard from the beginning with magic anyway Um, but when the keys to the build is to, I mean you could make one which is just like, you could try and make one I suppose that's like a tank but I've gone for, I try to dodge out of the way of enemies as much as possible whilst then going on to unleash spells. Um, I think I'm kind of following the story as I dodge about uh, as much as possible, but it is hard to follow, I will admit. But then I don't seem to feel that bothered about it, which is unusual for me because I normally um, massively interested in stories mm. but I'm also left wondering well, what influences has George R. R. Martin had on this thing because that's obviously something that's been, that was like massively touted before release yes I saw a joke somebody made though that um, what's the next book meant to be called for a Song of Ice Empire F- Winter something or whatever. Basically, the next song of ice and fire books in there somewhere. That was somebody's joke I saw. Wait, this one message just the entire book or something. It's just like, yeah, it's a joke. But um, yeah, I've spent a lot of time running away from things as well. Um, I did go out of my way to find a particular staff um, and spell about after my first sort of 15 first 15 hours in the game just so I could start hitting things harder um so I did this sort of good I was like, like what is the like strongest staff as well I could be using right now and there's this staff called the meteorite staff and there's a spell called um slingshot which is uh slings like what was about basically and uh, it's in a, a yeah. It was in an area that I'm at the time. I certainly wasn't at a high enough level to go dealing with. 
but the game if you've got if if you're brave enough and you can dodge well enough on your horse or on foot you can go places you don't have to wait for the uh, storage dragging you to things you could you know go exploring that and so i went and tracked down this staff and this spell and now as long as i've got time to cast it owns a lot of things to, to the extent now that I have a particular spot in uh, like this, the first main dungeon that you go to, like for the story, uh, which is uh, Stormvale Castle. This is one spot uh, at one of these sites of grace, these kind of like sort of these kind of um, hub points you essentially have in the game. Uh, uh, called the Secluded Cell, which is actually near the site of the main boss battle for the entire dungeon. But it's right also out uh, uh, beside um, this massive sort of troll giant thing and um, a couple of guards. And if you're quick enough, without taking damage, you can, at least if you're a magic user like me with this now particular spell on staff, you can take them down in like a couple of minutes and get 1400 runes. And then it takes like less than 10 minutes to obviously have several thousand or more. I presume that's quite a lot. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, I found I found my I found a nice spot to do some rune farming because basically you can because basically when you go and use this, these sites of grace, um, all the enemies that you've defeated respawn, which can be annoying. But at the same time, if you're farming for runes, that's excellent. It, and it's literally just like a few paces away from where these enemies are in game. Also, also presumably, it makes you um, kind of think about using the grace because obviously if you if you've defeated an entire area full of monsters you slog through it mm. and whatnot then yeah you could use the grace but <laughs> and get all your health back and stuff yeah. um yeah it does but at the same time like if you've if you've almost activated everything in the area so say you've managed to open some doors or like open a passageway or something or picked up all the key items you could still go back to that site of grace use it Everything respawns, and then rather than having to be bothered to fight anything, you dodge and run the feck through that area until you need to um, get till you get to wait your next kind of main next challenges. So like, I've done that in the current main dungeon that I'm in, which is the sort of sorcery kind of academy place. Um, so in order to get to the first boss in that area. You kind of had to run a gauntlet from one site of grace to the boss's lair. Well, I went and defeated all the enemies uh, between the this one site of grace and the gold for the boss's lair, and then promptly died either just outside the boss's lair or after just going inside. Of course, then it was like, well, you don't want to take damage and stuff running to this boss's lair, so I, I sorted out my kit. And then we then ran and dodged my way through several corridors to get to the boss's lair to then try again. And I did retrieve my runes. Um, and just to... Uh, basically, I had to basically do like a rush through the area each time I died and had to go back to try and win against this boss. I think it took about six attempts to um, take this guy down. There was some kind of like massive... It's like a fox wolf thing. It was huge. But it didn't have much health. But yeah, so it's kind of like you want to run through stuff. 
basically. Uh, but I'm still enjoying it, and basically it's my main thing I'm playing at the moment. I did treat myself to a whole bunch of games uh, last week that I wanted to catch up on, so I've got plenty to keep me occupied on PS5 at the moment, for sure. I was going to ask um, how many of them are actually PS5? Uh, quite a few. I, um, so I've picked, because I've talked about it previously, I've got obviously Deathloop, I've got the uh, Control Element Edition, which is PS5, I've got this Stranding, no, Director's Cut PS5, I've got, um, I can't see the pile um, that, I, I can't remember the titles of everything I bought. I bought the um, PS5 version of Resident Evil Village, I've got Judgment for P- PS5 version, Devil May Cry 5 PS5 version, Returnal, um, and yeah, Resi Village, basically. Um, so I bought a bunch of stuff on disc, because I actually went to a game shop uh, <laughs> uh, to, to an independent game shop uh, uh, recently, but one, one, only one's probably left in fucking Cornwall, um, down in Falmouth, Stands Games. Um, because like, it was my first time going in there since the pandemic started basically. Since everything. Yeah. Um, I actually went and bought some games. Um, there's some reasonable price, pricing going on, basically. So, uh, yeah, that was nice. It was nice just being able to look at games in a store. <laughs> As physical things. Yeah. It felt quite novel. Um, like basically, um, I don't know if any of the games are left in Cornwall now. Might be one there's of Sinostal. Well, there's a concession in um, Sports Direct in Truro, I think. Is there a concession? Not that we've tried going in. Not that we've tried going in. Yeah, but that's not quite the same as like an actual. Because it's a Sports Direct. It's a store in store, essentially, type thing in a way. That's the way things are moving. Yeah. Yeah, um, Carlisle had a, a game concession in Debenhams, which I always thought was weird. It's basically being able to have a shop without having to have the rent. Mm. <laughs> yeah. It, but then it, they still it's don't, weird. But then they still don't obviously carry as much as like a full store no. would, which is the thing. Like, you go into your local like, indie or like a mainstream shop or whatever. Um, and uh, yeah, like it was, uh, it was just nice seeing everything. I bought, but I didn't buy Elden Ring from them. Um, that I pre-ordered from somebody I had not used before. It was an experiment because I wasn't sure, you know, what if they were going to be any good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to get the name up. You did um, kind of check the reviews. Yeah, you? I did check the reviews enough to at least. Make sure I wasn't going to be completely fresh. Uh, I bought from the game collection. Oh yeah, yeah, they're they're decent. Yeah, um, and it was actually a pretty good experience. I actually uh, actually uh, quite like buying from them, and they've got like some point system thing, which I've not investigated much, but um, yeah, it was nice to buy from. Basically, it was nice to buy some video games, not from game. And and, and you, it sounds like you're getting physical discs. Yes. Um. Because digital isn't always the best for prices. <laughs> uh... No, but I, I, I realised that because I I picked up uh, Tempest Four Thousand for PS Four mm. on on disc in town, and I realised 
quickly that it's the kind of game that I wish to have installed on my machine, uh. but not necessarily to swap the disc. Is it kind of like a quick burst of play kind of deal? Well, that's the intent, but it usually goes on for a few hours once I get my, you know, once I'm immersed. But okay. it's, it's kind of, oh, I could have a quick game of that. And then I realise that, yeah, but the disc is in the box across the room and I have to go get that and then swap the disc over and put the disc oh, away that's no already way. in the machine. And it just, oh. when I, I've got too used to digital in a lot of hmm. ways. We're first of all being PC only for, you know, a good few years. And now I'm getting, you know, back into uh, the consoles. I've got Game Pass, so things are installed. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of I have to decide I'm going to invest the time to play something on disc. And there are some games that you can, you know, pick up on disc that are sort of arcadey. Yeah. And to me, they're sort of yeah, that's not the kind of thing I want on disc anymore. I want those installed. Mm. I'll tell you what, Elden Ring, my love of it, has gone as far enough that I've ordered myself a uh, hoodie. An Elden Ring ho- hoodie? Yeah, zip-up hoodie. By, so, by the way, so something I, I have to ask. Yeah. What the hell is all this thing with maidenless? Uh... I haven't quite understood that yet, but basically I know my character isn't. I have a feeling it's people missing something early on in the game. Mm. Uh, maybe I'm going to have to Google it now because I've seen it and I've just, like, there's a whole load of discourse certainly around it in terms of like, uh, Maidenless meaning, uh, Elden Ring. Uh,. Uh, 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 oh, okay, so ga- Gaming Bible UK has uh, come up with a definition, it seems, because of course somebody had to. Um, uh, yeah. So, as, as they said, as you take on the name of Tarnished, some NPCs note that you have no maiden to guide you around the world of Elden Ring, making your quest that much more difficult. Now, players have taken the term maidenless to be an insult for either a low-skilled player or as a person just in life. Um, but, because, of course, like, they have. But the thing is, though, is that like it is actually quite... It is quite quickly rectified in the game right um, but and now this links into something else that's controversial there has been some degree of discourse around the game's uh lack of hand holding um and kind of user experience and the ui that it has and stuff um so i've naturally been finding myself for a lot of it making my way towards what the game intends for me to go and find at certain points, yeah. including a maiden, um, which is a type of character that helps um, this group that you are part of, which is tarnished. Uh, the lore of the game is a little bit confusing. It involves types of gods, demigods, and a degree of ruin, and certainly a lot of death. 
Um, but you need to have Maiden to really help you navigate things and, and help you through the world. And I did right. make friends with one quite early on in the game. Like, the, those sites of grace I keep mentioning, they, most of them, or a lot of them, they also have these kind of um, trails that come off of them. And basically they're like massive kind of like pointers, compass type things that point you in the general direction you need to go in order to resolve some element of the game's story. Yeah. There are a lot of optional dungeons and, and bosses and stuff throughout the land, but these sites of grace, a lot of them, they will point to the place you're expected to go to advance things. And I followed those naturally and got to a point where I encountered the person that would become your maiden. Yeah. But so, so basically, anyone who is maidenless has somehow managed to not progress the game enough and has probably gone wandering off elsewhere, basically, um, to the extent that they, they that they have obviously you know, missed main story stuff for the moment. One of those big whoops. Yeah. I think, I can't remember, I might have, I don't know if I, did I miss the game tutorial or did I get thrown into it because I sucked at one point? No, I think I just got thrown into it because I sucked, so basically there's like an optional game tutorial. Um, you get thrown out once you've set your character up, you get thrown up against a big boss um, quite early on. Um, and obviously mm. if you're, you're like used to kind of software games, basically, like you're fine. Um, but if you're like me and really new to stuff, you're like, ah, and then you die pretty quickly. Yeah. But the thing is, is that obviously eight death isn't really an issue because you're kind of like, as a tarnished, you're essentially a form of undead as far as I can tell. Um, hence you keep coming back. Um, but yeah, but by then having died, I got thrown into tutorial area anyway. So I went through the tutorial. Yeah, I, I saw some bits online about um, how many people were apparently missing. The, I think, you know, tutorial. I, I think you can still miss the tutorial mm. if you uh, don't scout around the area you end up in if you do die. Yeah. Um, but that's because, from what I can tell, in order to enact the tutorial, it, the game is trying to get you to do something that goes against what a lot of from software games get you to not do, Yeah. which is jump down a hole. Apparently jumping down holes is a thing you just don't do in other from software titles. Me being somebody who's new, really, to from software games, I was like, well, this is like a bit I could jump down into. And it was, and it was the tutorial. <laughs> See, so, that makes more sense now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Uh, uh, I've, there's still tons to play. Like, I, I, I probably touched maybe maybe a quarter of the game. Maybe. Well. And I haven't gone online, but that's purely because I'm unsure about whether or not I'd really enjoy it. The online elements. Yeah. Because um, it does include stuff like invasions, and it's like, eh, eh. I, mean, I think it also means that depending on some stuff, you could maybe get players to try and like help you out with some stuff. Like it's not just all like aggressive, negative stuff. But um, 
obviously I do like for the time being wait I'm, I'm managing and you know managing to survive even if it means it takes me about 10 attempts to kill a boss oh and there is one thing certainly with the first two main bosses in the game um, the first one is an absolute bugger to kill um, is Margaret or Margit um, and then the his like his boss, the main boss in that area, the first of the first dungeon area, uh, Godric, is comparatively a lot easier to kill. In fact, I killed him on my first go. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that was a testament to how much I'd leveled up um, whilst going through this dungeon. But um, yeah, it's uh, I'm enjoying it. Um, it's it's designed to force me to explore the world in various ways than that um, and I'm slowly learning various mechanics um, the main mechanic though that I'm concerned about is dodging out of the way of enemies that's usually good yeah um, I'll just mention other things that I've been up to uh, I'm still reading Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norell um, I it's like going I mean I can't remember if I said on the previous podcast, like it is written like a novel from the time. Yeah, you did. Yeah, I did. So yeah, so it is it can be quite slow going at times. Um and you know, I wonder if that's why it's in the regular fiction section in places like Waterstones rather than the fantasy section. Because it's written in a literary way. That would make sense. Hmm. But it is the length of a fantasy novel rather than most mainstream novels. Um, I've also started reading uh, The Wife and Wakes by uh, was it James S.A. Corey, which is the novel The Expanse, or the first novel of the novel series that The Expanse is set on. Hey. Uh, so not watching The Expanse, but I am reading the novels that inspired it. So... Um, I, I, I will have to get around to doing that myself. I'm really enjoying it. It's the first science fiction novel I've read in a while, and I'm really actually quite enjoying it. Um, I'm also still making my way through elementary and up to season three. I think there are either six to eight seasons, so not quite halfway there yet. I think more like seven or eight. Um, it has started the season three started a bit weak but I'm, I'm hoping it'll improve and i tried watching fear index which is the new thing that sky's got um as like an exclusive um it's a four-part miniseries with uh, josh harnett and like the main role yeah okay um because i got badgered with ads for it and i did see some like uh, posters up and stuff around. I was like, bubble oh, bubble posters. And I was like, fine, I'll see what it's like. Watched the first episode. Yeah, no. <laughs> and, and my opinion of yeah, no, uh, was reflected quite a bit uh, in comments to the promoted tweets uh, that I was being served up with. Um. It's based off of a novel of the same name, 
um, it's a thriller, you know, sort of, uh, sort of cyber to financial thrilleriness, um, uh, with a really unsympathetic character played by Josh Harner. I'm not saying all characters have to be sympathetic, but, um, like, for instance, like, even Hannibal, like, even though, uh, Hannibal's, like, the, the bad guy, like, in the TV series, like, you at least enjoy watching him. So, oh my god, spoilers. Yeah. Um, whereas with uh, Fear Index, it's like, I really don't care what happens to your character. <laughs> 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 you can all go to hell for all I care. Um, like, and basically, I was just like, yeah, I'm not coming back to it. Um, I have heard elsewhere it's also not as good as the novel it's based on. Oh, that, that's always good. But it's basically about this... Uh, is he mathematics whiz? He's certainly a wizard creating algorithms, um, computer algorithms, uh, and Hans' character is basically creating... I, said, I, I him. hate him already if he's invested in um, algorithms. <laughs> he's uh, created an algorithm that can that's been trained on news media and previous uh, stock market performances to understand where basically human behaviour will pre-dictate what's about to happen with a market. So if there's a lot of fear in the news, certain things are going to happen in the market. Hey! Um, and but that's just one bit of the plot, and then there's like some other weird shit happened in this story before you even got to that point, uh, where it was like, oh yes, um, yes, um, he he he, a book uh, has mysteriously arrived, and it happens to be this particular one by Darwin, and it has to have, and it has, um, I think it's Darwin rather than Freud um, and it's got like a particular uh, chapter to do with fear and stuff and like the day the night after that he gets it um, like he wakes up to find there's an intruder in the house and he somehow ends up with the head his head getting hurt and what the fu- what's going on is is it all in his mind um, uh. but can I care enough that it's all in his mind so yeah that was like one episode and I was just like yeah no yeah and you go no I don't yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care enough. Um, I think Yellow Jackets is probably back on now TV again, though. I think. So if you miss that, do go watch that. Um, we we keep forgetting we've got now TV. Oops. <laughs> it's it's also inspiring, and the interface is so well thought out. Yeah, and they keep changing it occasionally, making it worse. So. <laughs> It's that, it's, yeah. I, I don't want to be all. Um, everything was better in my day, and that they make everything worse. But when it comes to a lot of user interfaces, they really do, don't they? Yeah. It's like, hey, everything's bigger. You've got less information, and it's more of a pain in, in the ass because we've asked a complete moron their opinion. Yeah, I and designed I think- it for them, and said, oh, great, I hate it. I think the apparent bitchiness that I've seen about the UX of uh, Eldering and its UI uh, is nothing in comparison to what is experienced with Now TV, and I would say that no consideration towards UX happens at all with Now TV, like whatsoever. 
You you have reminded me of another thing that I you know we've been watching. Oh yeah. Should should I go into that? Uh yeah, go for it. As as a tangent directly from Now TV because it is on That's Now right. TV. Uh-huh. Um, Wellington Paranormal. Oh yeah. Oh, because okay. So that's okay. I, I think I know something about this on a cafe. That is about the New Zealand police officers in Wellington who deal with yes. cases paranormal. But but the New uh, Zealand government had those same actors at the start of COVID do public information videos. Yes. Yeah. I remember. Fantastic. I think I should get some form of medal for remembering this two years of hell. There you go. Um, but yeah, it's the, uh, it's the actual TV series then involving the characters. It's quite fun. Yes, um, it's um, the it's originating from uh, Jermaine Clement and um, Tika Waititi, uh, and it's this the kind of what we do in the shadows kind of uh, fly on the wall drama documentary. Mm-hmm. Except, of course, it follows the these two New Zealand uh, cops around, O'Leary and Minogue, and their boss, who is um, he, he's into all the um, you know the paranormal stuff. Yeah. So, um, a typical episode will have their um, their boss say, you know, um, O'Leary, Minogue, come to my office <laughs> and it would be a secret office and it would be standing next to a bookcase and it'll be pretending to type something into a keypad and go beep 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 and then putting on a voice saying secret code recognized because he's basically a, a big kid into all this nerdy shit um and though it will be oh there's been disappearances on the beach or there's been thefts in this area but all the thefts are in a circle on the map <sighs> and you know so they'll be investigating these cases uh and it's it's done in exactly the same way as you would expect from some you know something from them so it's very flight of the concords um what we do in the shadows type understated everything's a, a little bit it's you know it's it's extremely sort of um out, tempted to say low budget horror yeah but it's a sort of knowingly low budget knowingly it's you know it's it's something that's happening in your area so it's not going to be glitzy it's not going to be glamour it's just sort of very slightly naff mm. So there will be doppelgangers appearing, and it will turn out that there are aliens who are cloning the you know the two cops, and one of them, Minogue, um, he he's um, he's not very bright. Oh dear. And he he ends up um, sitting in a jacuzzi with one of his evil clones. And they're just chatting about stuff. 
And Alia walks in and goes, you know, Minog, what are you doing? Go after the jacuzzi. He'd say, yeah, but I'm just, I'm just here chatting with Minog. And say, yeah, the clone, right? And say, yeah, I'm the clone. And, you know, they're just, just chatting away and go, oh, well, you know, what are your plans for later? And you go, well, we're, you know, we're investigating this case. And he's go, oh, you know, well, we're going to uh, replace the entire human race. Um, and then, you know, I don't know. I don't know what we're doing after that. I'm going, oh, right. And it, it's, it's just very good. So that's why it's in Paranormal. Wellington Paranormal. It's on Now TV. First three series. I think the fourth series has just started mm. um, in New Zealand. Possibly on US TV as well, but I'm not sure if it's reached over here yet. Definitely um, it's one to three that are available on Now TV. But okay. Yeah. I've, see, I've seen... Because uh, what, what drug in my memory about it was... Um, Dave Internet, just, you know, browsing through Dave Internet, and there's, you know, season four, and it's like, oh, thanks for the reminder. I'll go watch that on Now TV. Thanks very much. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that that was uh, that was something we have enjoyed. It, it, it's something that you have to watch one or two episodes of, you know, to get on the wavelength. Okay. Because it's, it's yeah, it, it, it is kind of the, you know, the flying on the wall um, cop thing where they're investigating stuff and um, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's just good. Once you get into the groove of it, it's, it's very easy to binge. And I will say this for now, TV, they, they do allow you to do that because they have, you know, those episodes up for, the, you know, the first three series. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, is, is there anything else uh, you want to? Uh, or, no. or have I successfully hijacked? You may have successfully hijacked um, until we get around to Paul's things. Okay. Uh, well, I I will uh, continue, and then I can segue into um, his as well. Because of course I watched um, Star Trek, but I'll um. mention that last. Um. Something we had watched before the uh, the previous podcast, but completely forgot to mention, uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife. Finally got around to seeing that. Did you guys cry? Sorry? Did you guys cry? Uh, no. Well. Did you? <laughs> but it, 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 what, 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 what did you think? Um, I thought that a uh, far uh, more story-progressive film happened in 2016. In a lot of ways, yes. Um, that this film was purely there for the nostalgia. It did trade extremely heavily on the nostalgia, didn't it? I think that's why it made me cry. It's you see, I've mentioned before my, you know, my um, liking of the Ghostbusters films are, I I love the original Ghostbusters. Um, I think Ghostbusters Two is fairly, it's it's nowhere near a valid uh, follow up. I think it's just it's it's not a very good film, especially in comparison with the first film. Mm. 
So for that, I definitely think um, Ghostbusters Answer the Call is better than Ghostbusters 2, even though it is a sort of... I, I see it as it's kind of a, um, a multiverse to follow, you know, to uh, borrow from Marvel and the like. It's a multiverse version of Ghostbusters, and in that regard, it works perfectly fine, and I like it. I I think there's also it's telling that Afterlife seems to have had to have nabbed several elements from Answer the Call. Which ones? The main one being Everybody's Forgotten. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. And I would love to see how much of the soundtrack for Answer the Call is original, because when, when we were watching it, it was just, I recognise this from the first Ghostbusters, I recognise this one as well, and this bit was, you know, this is from the library, this is for when they're, um, you know, bombing around the streets, this is when, you know, etc., etc. It Almost the entire soundtrack of Afterlife seemed like it was lifted, if not, you know, musical phrase for musical phrase. Um, heavily inspired by the original Ghostbusters soundtrack, mm-hmm. to the extent that I wondered if any of it was original. No, I, I, I yeah, now that you say that. But it'd been some time since I'd seen the original films when we went to see um, Afterlife. Yeah, I mean, um, not helped by that I have the original Ghostbusters soundtrack on vinyl. (laughs) (laughs) I I am that old. But I've got it framed, so it's it's not like I'm listening to the vinyl. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I know the soundtrack quite well. You, You know, not just from watching the film, but just listening to it. And yeah, I, I thought I thought it worked. I thought it worked well as a follow-up. It was a little bit too on the nose for all the callbacks it did to the this is not just calling back. This is this you know, this is do you remember? This you know, this, it, 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 it was like watching, you know, um the film the movie version of the Do You Remember? nostalgia accounts on Twitter and Facebook and such. Personally, I was just thinking of um, the Michael Jackson song, which was, is it Remember the Time? Is it called Remember the Time? I couldn't tell you. Uh, It's got, it's got the, it's got the uh, classic one. Do you remember the time? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, I'm going to have to check now. It's, uh, it's the music video stars. It is Remember the Time. Uh, Stars um, Eddie Murphy. Okay. as an Egyptian pharaoh. Oh, and yeah, Michael, now I remember. Michael Jackson yeah. in like this really weird kind of Michael Jackson outfit, but we've added some weird stuff to it to make it look Egyptian, but not. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. But um, yeah, it was extremely leaning on stuff and having little references to things and you know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, but for all of that, I do think it worked. But it it was just bloody hell. It was blatant at times. It was trying to you know pull my heartstrings. Yeah. 
it it pulled mine enough to make me cry, unfortunately. Mm. But yeah, I, I I thought it was decent. I didn't think, um, as an example, it was as good a sequel as I would say Terminator Dark Fate. So, so wait, are you saying it's not as good a sequel as Dark Fate? It's not as good a sequel as Terminator Dark Fate. I, I, I could take that. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's good. It's not a, oh God, I wish that didn't exist. Mm-mm. But it was so extremely, hey, do you remember Ghostbusters? Wasn't that good? This is why you're here, because Ghostbusters. And uh, to their credit, I liked um, the cast. I liked um, the last they had as the lead, you know, um, Egon's granddaughter. Yes. She was good. I liked her. So I like, I like the characters' jokes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I liked her. Um, she was successfully channeling the sort of uh, e- the flavor of Egon from the original movie. There, so mm. uh, yeah. I th- I thought I thought that was decent enough. I thought it was. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm glad I've seen it, but I'm not in a huge rush to pick it up on. You know, um, any media, if you know what I mean. I was going to say DVD, and then I was thinking, no, I'd buy it on Blu-ray, and then I thought, no, would I? I'm not sure I would. <laughs> but yeah, um, so we we watched that. But um, something to get, you know, this is a little bit late to the party, but um, because they did the live-action version, Netflix and Amazon Prime, I noticed. So, you know, they were just apparently chucking the series out to anyone who would, you know, have it. Um, we finally sat down and watched Cowboy Bebop. How, have either of you have you seen that? We've not seen... I've not, we've not seen the Netflix live adaptation. I saw... <clears throat> various bits and pieces of the anime growing up. Mm. Um, never like properly sat down to watch it. But I'm <laughs> vaguely aware of the very basic storyline. Yeah. I I was aware of it for years. But we it it was it was either always expensive to try and get the you know the box set when I wasn't sure yeah. if I'd like it anyway, or it wasn't on a service that we could, you know that, you know we could either get it on or it was too pricey, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, you know all the various reasons. But there it is on Netflix. Okay, do you fancy watching this? Yeah, okay, well, why not? So we watched it and. Um, Blimey, there's a lot of smoking and sexism for something that was made in 1998. <laughs> it's it's a little bit weird. And oh, yeah, I, yeah, but, but 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 is it is it Neon Genesis Evangelion levels of weird? Because uh, like if we're going for 90s anime levels of weird, like. Uh, that there are, uh, I would I would say not as weird as as that. Even though I, it's been ages since I've seen any uh, Evangelion, so I can't I can't really compare yeah, it with that. Like, but, yeah. Evangelion, so in like ninety five, 
So. Yeah, that, and, that, and that was, um, I believe the only way you can describe that is really fucking weird. Yep. But yeah, for anyone who's not in the know, Cowboy Bebop is set, what, um, sort of late 21st century? Something like that. And the idea is that um, there's been this technological breakthrough that also kind of um, was a disaster for Earth. So almost no one in the solar system lives on Earth anymore because it's just kind of, you know, rack and ruin. But all the, well, most of the planets and moons have been terraformed, but those kind of been done on the cheap. So you've got lots of, um, a mix of space age and old tech everywhere. And because everyone is so spread out, there are lots of uh, bounty hunters who in this universe are called cowboys. And it follows a trio of these cowboys, um, Spike, Spike Spiegel, Faye Valentine, and um, Jet. And I can't remember if in the anime he's, you get his full name, but he's Jet Black, and he's a black man. And I thought, that that's really clever. I see what you've done there. Jet Black. But yeah, um... And there's this whole thing of um, Spike is very sort of laid back, but also incredibly skilled when he can be asked. And he's running away from this history where he's been involved with an um, organized crime called the Syndicate. And he's uh, you know, faked his own death so he can get away. And then you have um, Jet, who owns the ship, the Cowboy Bebop, um, who has to kind of he's, he's almost like the you know the dad trying mm. to um, wrestle in the the other two cowboys just so they have enough for fuel and food. And he's an ex cop, and he's got a you know a backstory and why he's an ex cop and why he's now a cowboy. And there's Faye Valentine, who um, she's one of the more interesting ones, but she's. She's very much the eye candy in the anime. Yeah. Whereas in the live action, they fleshed her out a little bit more and she wears more. That is. Which is like, well, good. (laughs) Because, um, yeah, I, I found her backstory the most interesting in the anime, but it was everything was so spread out. That there's lots of stories that they don't really have much um, about what's going on and applicable to the characters. It's just the latest weird shit that the characters find themselves in and usually how they manage to fuck up the bounty so they don't get enough money collected out, you know, on the end of it. Um, but yeah, generally it the anime is... I think it's worth watching. It, I I like it, but it, I have you know a few issues with it, and I'm curious what the manga's like. So I'm going to have to try yeah. and put that down. Because um, the thing about the like lack of details making me wonder what the manga's like, because that's normally where you would find the detail. Yeah, and it's it's the whole thing of um, how sparse it is on the character building, and there's something like twenty five. Or, you know, there's 20-odd, mid-20s episodes. Mm. 
uh, for the anime. And you get a handful of episodes. You get maybe like two or three, maybe four episodes scattered around for each you know, character with just little bits added on. And uh, one example is, um, yeah, Faye. Uh, one reason she's a cowboy, or she's a you know bounty hunter, is because um, she was put in cryo sleep in the early part of you know the twenty first century, and she doesn't know why. Because if you spend too long in um, you know cryo sleep, you have complete amnesia so one of the reasons that you know she's a bounty hunter is that she's she's got nothing basically she's got nothing apart from the incredible amount of debt that she accrued by being in cryo sleep and then being woken up from it mm. and you only find little bits out with that and you know they're ad- they've addressed that bit in the episodes we've watched in the live action and yeah the the live action um in some ways that's why I'm going to have to go back to the manga because I'm not sure how much is they've just decided that they, they're going to have to flesh these bits out so that they are arcs in the series and how much they're drawing on more backstory that wasn't in the anime. Mm. Because um, Spike's story, you get sod all about it until maybe about five, six, seven episodes in, in the anime. And then it's just, you you get a law dump episode. <laughs> and then, you know, it gets, you know, more and more later on. And then the um, it ends with a two-parter, the anime, where it's entirely his, you know, his reckoning. Yeah. And all, so far, all the episodes in the li- live action so far seem to have had some of that storyline in but kind of in a worse way. <laughs> like, in, in the anime, um, he's got um, his, his love, who, so far as he's concerned, he, he's lost, but he pines after her called uh, Julia. And, you, you know, you're told that she was just someone kind who took him in after, you know, he was wounded and he fell for her. And then, you know, had to leave her behind after he faked his death. And in the live action, she's more or less demoted to a gangster's mole because she's with um, his old partner, Vicious, in the syndicate. And there's um, some nice domestic violence and stuff like that going on in that storyline that I do not recall from the anime at all. Because it's, it's just, why did you have to do that? I'm not quite sure why. It's like, we can understand that she's with this arsehole and he is a psychopath w- without making her character worse because her character was paper thin in the anime. She was basically, her entire reason for being was so that Spike could, you know, pine after her. And then drop everything the moment that he found out that she could, you know, still be alive or around. But yeah, it's just 
it, it's a little bit weird. We're just going to watch the last two episodes tonight, but it's it's extremely. Um, I'm I'm glad I watched the anime first. Okay. And I can see why the live action didn't get picked up for a second series. Well, I just looked at a description of the manga, and it describes it as a series of short, more sort of very much short series of short stories, like more so than perhaps other mangas have kind of gone for format. Yeah. So I'm, I'm also not sure if the manga was after the anime. Hmm. Could be. So yeah, I'm 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 not sure with that, but I'm more curious about it now. But yeah, um, so if anyone's interested, Cowboy Bebop, you know, which is one of the, it's one of those series, isn't it? It's what it's one of those anime series that it's you know you constantly see referenced or. Do you know what? Mm-hmm. I always felt like, even though I never like watched it in depth, but I always felt like Firefly was slightly inspired by it. Yes, I think. Watching um, Cowboy Bebop, there are things that I've watched, um, none of which come to mind brilliantly, (laughs) (laughs) apart apart from um, Firefly, you know, now I'm on the spot, but yeah, watching it, I'm thinking, well, you know, Cowboy Bebop 1998, um, you know, very much a nerd media thing so I, I can see how it's probably got a massively outsized influence in sort of nerd circles and of course that includes um, the idea of uh, you know all the, you know all these various series and movies and you know like but yeah I feel like yeah. I feel like when people hit I feel like um, like after 98 I feel like it was kind of doing the rounds around maybe the same time as Trigon. Yeah. Like, I tended to see one advertiser not long after the other sort of thing. When was Trigon out? 98 as well. That would explain it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, too... Big influential things hit up in a very similar time, yeah. but yeah. Um, so Cowboy Bebop, go watch it because it's on Amazon Prime and Netflix. The um, you know, the anime series, and of course, watch it subtitled for fuck's sake. <laughs> I've not even put any of the you know, the English dub on because I've sometimes done that, you know, once we've watched something. So let let's or you know when you you've had characters or you know you, you know especially in live action you know some of the Koreans um, series we've watched where it's just you know the characters have been acting their ass off it's like let's just rewind that bit and put the English dub on and see see how it's destroyed and it's usually oh dear okay, oh dear but, me oh. Uh, but one thing where that doesn't stand up is something like Yuri on Ice where the English dub. Oh, yeah, you mentioned that, yeah. Yeah, the English dub is way gayer than the Japanese dub, but you, you could <laughs> actually watch it for the English dub after watching it for the Japanese dub, not because, oh, you'll see where it's inferior, but because they just turned up the gay even more. 
There's, yeah. There's, there's just this rumble dial, and they just go, ah, it's only set at five. Yeah. That can, this can go to 15. Yeah. And it will. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay, that, that's the exception then. Okay. But um, let's see. Uh, I have been uh, playing rather a lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey because I kind of fell off the, the AC games for several uh, games. Basically, I, I played Black Flag and then that was it for a good while. And then I got Origins about two years ago which is uh, set in ancient Egypt. It's basically because they were making them too bloody recent. It's, I don't care about, you know, Edwardian, uh, you know, London. I don't care about, you know, revolutionary France. But but what about having Rossbier's eyeballs floating in the middle of his face with no face? I mean, yeah, that, that was a highlight from seeing that. <laughs> I have actually picked that. I picked that up this week. Okay. I I was in. Um, you see, this is one reason why you know. So for some things, I will never give up disc for media because um, mm. for a a total of two princely pounds. Oh my! I picked up a copy of Assassin's Creed Unity <laughs> for the Xbone. So. We'll see if how fixed that has been because it was infamously one of the first. Well, it was infamously the first um, version of the Creed engine that was done for the next generation machines. Yeah. Hence, hence all these screenshots of floating eyeballs because the machine had just forgotten to render the face. Yes. Um, so I'll, I'll see how that performs and if it's got any kind of upgrade for. Um, Series X, I'll, or you know X, um, Xbox One X, mm. because you know obviously Series X, um, you know benefits from any upgrades like that. But there are there are other games which I honestly thought would you know have upgrades like um, Arkham Knight. That had that didn't even have an, an Xbox One X upgrade. Huh. So it's just really. Okay. Bit weird. But yeah, I'll I'll see how that performs. But in the meantime, I have sunk about 45 hours into Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Oh my gosh. And I don't feel like I've scratched the surface. I feel like I'm maybe a quarter of the way through the story of that. So there's a lot. And of course, I am playing as Cassandra. Because if a game offers me an option to, uh, you know, play a female character for a change, because yeah, the, there's really not enough male characters in games as the default, is there? So if yeah, it, it's like I am, you know, I'm femme assassin and um, you know femme shep. If I'm given that choice, and of course, if it comes to you know stuff like Skyrim. I'm a Khajiit. Or Argonian. It's it's mm-hmm. it's that's that's just it's the rules. But yeah, so I'm I'm enjoying um Assassin's Creed Odyssey and um for for my final thing, which is just going to be quick because it it was just yeah. Um I managed to um 
nab a relatively sought-after TV on eBay, uh, an old tube type, a Trinitron, a 14-inch Trinitron with built-in VCR. So, I saw pictures of this. I, I can yes. what you're describing right now. Basically, all, all my 90s um, mates would have been jealous of this. <laughs> it's it, you know, a really nice bit of kit, but um, it was sold as, you know, it doesn't switch on. Don't know what's up with it. Spares or repairs. And I thought, I'll, I'll, I'll get it and I'll see what's up. And I'll cut right through the what was up with it. And it was simply... Oh, and I discovered this only after I tested the internal fuse, the plug fuse, and I'd taken the back of the TV off simply because I couldn't, I, I couldn't cope with... You know, I just thought there must be something. Yeah. Um, as it turned out, there's a nice big power button on the front of the TV, and that brings it out to standby. Um, this is obviously what the bloke, you know, the seller had, um, you know, tried pressing, and it wasn't doing a thing. Right. Um, right under it, there's a flap, which was, you know, the, the de rigueur for a lot of TVs, you know, in the nineties. You would have a flap, which would, you know, show you more controls. Yeah. That's got the main power switch in there. Oh. And that was off. So I just pressed the power switch that was in there. Ding, goes the TV as it um, does the degaussing coil. And it springs up instantly in, into life. So, yeah, I got a TV which usually goes for about two or three times what I paid for it because the bloke hadn't looked under a flap on the front. Wow. Which was nice. However, that two other faults with it which i'm going to have to fix but that's fine well you know one i've already fixed which was one i had noticed that the sound was a bit weak and it was quiet i could turn it up to about 100 volume and i could barely hear what was going on with you know with stuff and it turned out that it was on the side of the tv that there was a small crack in the plastic and I took the speaker out, and the back of the speaker actually fell off in my hand when I tried pulling it out the TV. So it, it turned out that it, at some point this TV had had a knock, and it was not in transit to me because it was absolutely fine when I got it because that was one of the other thing as well. It's like you know sending anything that's a big glass tube through the post. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've replaced it with a TV I've got from like a curb found TV that was broken. And now it works a treat. Uh, now, the only existing fault I have with the TV is that the, the VCR flap on it, for some reason, doesn't get pushed up far enough to let a tape escape. Because I, I had a... The, yeah, you know, this is completely out of character for me. Um, mm -hmm. The only VC, uh, VHS tape I had in this place was a 4x3 pan and scan copy of Star Wars. <laughs> okay. And it wasn't my original one because my original one was a widescreen, I'll have you know. Okay. But, yeah. 
This one was um, on one of my trips down to Carlisle. I'd seen it, and it was something like two quid, and it was the um, pre-special uh, edition edition of the originals, you know, Star Wars on VHS. And I thought, well, if if anything, it looks nice on the shelf because it's it's got nice cover artwork. And it's got a sort of, a, you know, red metallic Star Wars logo on the spine. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, bollocks to it. It's two quid. I'll get it. It's 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 Star Wars and VHS. You know, th- this is right up my alley. If it was Star Wars VHS running on a Commodore 64, that would have been, you know, perfect for me, for my brand. But it's like, yeah, Star Wars and VHS. Yeah, I love that. So that was the only thing I could try in it and, um, you know, put it in, played it. Like I said, you know, the sound was quiet, but I didn't know, you know, what the fault was at that point. But yeah, trying to get the tape out was hell. <laughs> I think I had to hold it up, open with a knife. Because it was just high enough to catch the edge of the videotape just as it was rising up out of the machine for it to go, oh, I can't, you know, I can no longer get out. I'll just reinsert the the, uh, the tape. So yeah, that's that's the only thing I've got to um, work on it. But other than that, it's I am very happy, and this just this just proves. Check for all the power buttons on things you're flogging on eBay. Certainly sounds like sound advice. Yeah, that's me. That's me done now. Oh, and of course, we um, we watched the um, premiere of Star Trek Picard. Oh, I think we've got Paul getting it back into the game here now. Yeah, go. Oh, 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 oh. And um, I don't know what um, Paul thinks about it, but I thought it was much more like I would have expected uh, for a sequel to Star Trek: The Next Generation. I, I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, obviously, it kind of comes off from like the first season, just like a yeah. couple of. Is it a couple of years later, or is it just like about eighteen months later, or so? I think it's, it was it's, it's, Yeah, it's it's set somewhere like you know eighteen months, two years. Mm. So it's it's been a little bit more than a year, at and, least. Yeah. And. Um, I mean, how much are we allowed to spoil on this? Well, it's the first episode, so so far as I'm concerned, you know, it's already out there. It's not anything that you have to, you know, get oh, through. So the spoilers. Yeah. So yeah, there is spoilers. Um, it's got Picard in it. <laughs> so basically, everybody's back, um, just slightly fragmented. So because I know at the end of Picard, it seemed like they were gonna go off. You know, and have like adventures in the starship. Well, the, yeah. the left runner. Um, but this season sees um, Picard kind of back at the vineyard. Um, yeah. And Rios and, um, oh, R- uh, Rafi uh, back in Starfleet, which is like, yes. oh, okay. I mean, I can, yeah. Now that a kind of mystery has been solved and whatnot about stuff, and um, stuff's been uncovered regarding, you know, the uh, real reason behind the Mars, um, 
Utopia Planitia destruction. And up. the whole thing with the synths. Yeah. Um, so that that's yeah, quite interesting. Um, I, I I did quite like the um, the fact that Rios's uh, ship is the Stargazer. Yes, yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, because they, you also had the Excelsior as well. That's um, captained by um, Rafi. Yeah, and like Elnor's um, in Starfleet, it was just like really okay, <laughs> really. Well, I, I suppose she she. she she kind of was because she was um, working at the Astrom Institute, but you know, it wasn't quite Starfleet, no, but it was like Federation. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Not the yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, yes. Um, it, it, it's just um, his, his, yeah, his character just kind of completely bounced off me in the first season. So it, I just thought, yeah, Romulan Elf. I mean, yeah, I, I kind of, I, I quite liked his character, um, but I kind of felt like he was there, and then he was just like he was kind of introduced. Uh, you know, he had a purpose, he had a mission, and whatnot, and then he was kind of put in the background. Yeah, it's like, just he was he... meant to be Picard's protector, um, and he just kind of like goes off and immediately does this other thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of he he is an important character for you. He will he will now stand in the background and we'll remember to have him in some shots. But kind of yeah. thing. Absolutely it's it's kind of like they um had like two um kind of starting stories for him and decided to mash them together. <laughs> yeah. It's just we we're going to have this character and we're going to have that character and it's just now we're getting to the point where we may actually have some use for them rather than just having them stand on the bridge because it's like we've got these characters we, you know we've yeah. got to have more characters on the bridge but um, yeah obviously um, at the end of uh, the first episode um, of Picard season 2 yeah. And we kind of see witness to what was the spatial anomaly. And it was, um, yeah, the Borg trying to join Starfleet, or well, the Federation, rather. And it's just like, yeah, I, interesting. I, I, I mean, it, it didn't quite look like the same Borg from the, the current universe, to me, at well, least. No, no, it didn't. Um, and one thing which is just, there's clearly more going on that we're going to be finding out um, in the, later on in the series. Um, kind, kind of um, shown off by, I have seen uh, Patrick Stewart posing with the actress who plays the Borg Queen, and she's very much you know, looking like the, the Borg Queen from the movie. Yeah, so it's just I don't know what was going on with this um, get-up, which it looked interesting. I liked the sort of um, you know things that were moving around inside it. Yeah. But um, I mean, I kind of thought that was interesting because they actually dropped uh, the fact that the Borg were decimated. And I presume that was at the end of Endgame, uh, as in like uh, the uh, Voyager finale. Mm. That 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 was still decimated from that. That yeah, I mean I, that would make sense to me, but like because that 
there hasn't been any kind of mention of any other kind of you know. I would yeah. I would like more of these things re- uh, referred to because just like with the the first season of Picard where they um, you know some of the writers were saying Starfleet is not as strong as it was because it's you know it's still recovering from yeah um, you know the changing war yeah. and you know the Indian war and it's just yeah but maybe kind of point that out then yes yeah make it explicit something. Yeah, um, it's at, at, at least mention sure. stuff, and then you know, it's I'm I'm fine with the you know, you, you can occasionally just mention a name, and then the the absolute nerds like us will be will say, ah, I mean, know that, sure. what, what that's referring to, but yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that uh, when Picard actually gets on board the Stargazer, he does mention something about like the the refits kind of feeling like they're um, more. Uh, what well, retro, as it were? I think that's mm. referring to the fact that the sets are more like Star Trek Discovery, which would be retro in canon. Yeah, which which I thought was quite a nice touch. If I if I read that right, as it were. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. I, I, I mean. I, um... It's it like they've set it up now. So uh, obviously you've got the anomaly that's happened. You've got um, basically the card that's pretty much kind of blown up the ship, um, and then he kind of reappears at the vineyard uh, with Q there. So I have no idea what's going to happen next. Um, I mean, I know I've seen the trailers, um, and I f- by the looks of things, it's like Q gives a descendant of. Um, like uh, Soong, um, who is obviously Data's creator, um, like a descendant of them, um, mm. some sort of material or something. So it's, it's going to be interesting, isn't it? Yeah, maybe they, they've done something with nanoprobes or something. I think there's a, a lot. I I did like the um, he you know Q's reappearance. Mm. I thought that was very well done because I've um, I've got a picture. Because yeah, I mean that that was the thing, wasn't it? Because everyone was like, "Oh, uh, yeah, not sure about data's, you know, de aging." Mm. In um, you know the first season of Picard. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, here we go. I've got I've got the picture um, up where it's it's uh, pictures of Q in um, all good things. Q in his um, last appearance in Voyager. Okay. And then the aged version that they had mm. in in Picard. I will I will send that along so we can maybe use that as a you know all you know the podcast uh, account can yeah. you know tweet it out. But. Um, yeah, it's it's a very good de aging, and I just thought, yeah, it's perfectly in fitting with Q for him to sort of gently needle Picard with the oh, you've got old. And um, absolutely, I mean, kind of uh, talking about the kind of visual effects. And that, obviously, from uh, Picard season one, the finale um, seemed like uh, basically you had like a, a thousand uh, ships that were pretty much identical from Starfleet. Um, and now they've basically got like an armada of very different looking ships, which is uh, yes, yeah, quite nice. Which, which is as it should be. Oh, and as a just kind of um, a nice nerd bonus. Mm. 
the class of uh, Starfleet ship that the Stargazer is mm-hmm. is the Sagan class, as in Carl Sagan. Ah, okay. So it's like, hey. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm looking forward to it, and I'm kind of uh, relieved <laughs> by the Re- look of re- it. And the, because, yeah, I'm, I'm still unsure about the first season of Picard. Okay. I don't uh, like how it ended. Well, I just, I just <laughs> felt like... Um... Killing off Picard and then immediately reviving him was kind of a bit of a bad move. I mean, mm. the, the, I'm not sure whether they should have just basically somehow cured him or something. Or it, it was a weird move. It was a weird yeah. sideways move, and I'm not sure what they're going to be doing with that. I mean, I, I mean, it would make sense if, um, in some way they kind of deal with the fact that he's technically a kind of, well, is it a synth or... Yeah. Like, basically, like, an android, um, like, um, oh, what's her name? I can't remember. The, 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 no, the, the, I can't remember either. Ah, uh, damn it. I mean, she was such an important character in the first season of Picard. Not, it's been a long so, time. So, so she no so. Getting from there to here. <laughs> so it's not Sochi, is it? Sochi. So is it Sochi? Is it Sochi? It's either or we're talking about um, Japanese Dash. Winter Olympics. Dash. 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 Well, of twins names and, and all so, that, you know. Yeah, yeah. In in my defense, I don't have a keyboard in front of me, so I can't. I can't tappity tappity. But yeah, anyway, what was I saying? I don't know anymore. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> so, oh, yes, um, basically, it's kind of weird that, um, that I kind of hope that that kind of something happens with that um, in either season two or season three. Because that was a bit of a strange move and. You know, it's if it doesn't get paid off, then that's a little well, bit like, well, why did you do that? Was that I, just I because think, you uh, wasn't sure whether there's going to be a second season? I think they, they've gone on record as saying that um, they're not just going to you know skip over it. It's not done. Oh, good. So we we will hopefully see more going on there. Hmm. Fair, fair. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to it, and it, it just, it felt more like a post next generation series for me than you know, the first season did. But that, you know, that's just me. Although I, I will take issue with the who the fuck trained with those Starfleet officers on the bridge. <laughs> You have someone saying stop firing. They're supposed yeah. to stop firing. I mean, maybe part of the reason why this felt more like um, classic kind of next generation was basically because Picard operated outside of the Federation in season one. 
So there was kind of very little. In fact, the, the only times that you actually saw, the only times that you saw, um, like any kind of federation type stuff, was basically when either Picard was, you know, kind of asking for help and getting shot down, or mm. like the very end or like the very beginning where they were kind of not particularly helpful. That that was part of it for me, but it was also it just felt it was um, you know the whole idea of you know living in that future was your post scarcity. Yeah, you can replicate a replicator. So why would you have um, people who were down on their luck? You know all that kind of thing. Mm. So it was just you know there were too many to me questions raised. I mean, to be honest, I can kind of understand um, basically losing the post-scarcity thing if you're kind of trying to rebuild them. So your resources going to, uh, towards, you know, something else instead. Um, it's Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a tricky one because if they were to turn around and explicitly state that, then that would be one thing, but, you know. Yeah, it's a, I'm, I am not adverse to and you know things like you could have DS Nine, where it was still in the same universe and you still had replicators, but you you also had these societies that weren't interested in them or they would use them you know only for certain things, and um, especially you know with um, you know Picard's vineyard. Yeah, you, you know theoretically in that universe, you you could just have the same bottle, identical bottle of wine, replicated endlessly and just, you know for free. But it's in that kind of world where Picard doesn't have to do that to support himself. He does that because it's his craft and he likes doing it. Yeah. So I like that, mm. but yeah. There's all there's all kinds of things to um, get into with the you know the whole sort of luxury gay space communism. <laughs> and I kind of like the fact that they're kind of um, beginning to try and explore um, why Picard is alone as well. So obviously, with um, Star Trek: Next Generation, it was all about basically the Enterprise and the crew and whatnot. And he has to you know kind of look after them and keep them alive and you know whatnot um with uh you know kind of season two now it's kind of like you've pushed everybody away yeah um also a big why because i was reminded of this with the um next generation image bot account that i follow and it just had a screenshot of um, you know, from Family, which was the episode after Best of Both Worlds mm-hmm. uh, in you know, part two in Next Gen, so start of season four. Yeah, uh, you know, with Picard's brother and um, you know his wife and their son, who at the start of Star Trek Generations they just get killed in a fire. Yeah. <laughs> Because I don't know why the writers couldn't be, you know, couldn't decide, you know, what to do with them. Because I, I thought, you know, something that would be nice, something that I thought they would do, you know, this is going back years, yeah. obviously, because generations, you know, but it would have been nice to have his his nephew's um, in a character come back and not be in Starfleet or be you know, have joined the marquee or, you know, 
basically you know have um, kind of slightly followed Picard to the stars, but not in the same way. Yeah, and of yeah. course we'll never have that because they're just they're just dead for a throwaway line. <laughs> well, I mean, I think because I think part of the point of um, that was meant to be that uh, when he goes to the Nexus. Uh, he would have like you know, kind of that. Oh yeah, yeah, I know. But, but it's it's just you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's just that that was such a you know because I liked his his brother was a complete asshole, but you know that's kind of why I liked him because um, Picard isn't. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, you could see how they could both come from the same stock. But yeah, yeah I, I I just remember, you know, I was I was yet again, uh, you know, twenty odd years after you know generations, just annoyed that they killed those characters off, just you know, just for a uh, wouldn't it be nice moment in the in this weird nexus thing. True, true. I mean, it's. It's, it's, I don't hold grudges for long. Emotional kind of um, scene uh, with uh, Troy as well. Yeah, um, like that. And then I think it, it kind of kind of gets forgotten about, pretty much. Yeah. Just odd. Yeah. yeah. Related. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing Troy and uh, Riker again. In Picard season two. Oh, you reckon they're going to be in there? I reckon they're there somewhere. Okay. And the kids. Even, even if they end up you know, being evil ones or something, or you know, whatever. Yeah, because I mean, see, I, I'm not. I don't think that it will be like the the mirror universe. I think. Yeah, it feels more like it's gonna be almost like a J.J. Abrams alternate universe. Like because I... obviously you've got. Uh, you've got the uh, whole thing with the uh, the black hole. Yeah. So, I'm kind of wondering whether it's it's a you know kind of similar type thing to that. It it's going to be interesting because I was um, I was wondering if that weird um, pattern Picard saw in the sky um, was the Q continuum quarantining Earth because. Humanity does something which is so destructive that you know they're just it's like yeah, write them off. <coughs> See, Since that, that was the that was the original premise that um, in in Counter at Farpoint, it was you know humanity are it was a savage childlike race. Yeah, and Q was um, you know can you be trusted out here? And just from some of the interviews um, that John Delancey has said, he said that Q's future is on the line. It's he, it's not just humanity. It's not just Picard's, but Q's himself. He's you know he's got a vested interest in Picard managing to unfuck this. <laughs> so it's just. Hmm. But yeah, maybe maybe it's just me nerding and see <laughs> too much into it. Okay. But it, that's why we're nerds. That's what we do. And uh, have we? Uh, well, have you watched uh, Star Trek Discovery? 
Uh, yes. So you're all quite. up to date. Yep, quite enjoying that. Um, I am hoping. I was I was right with uh, the Rosetta Stone. Um, thing in, what, in the latest what? one. In the that well, if the you know if this is a species which is in a um different, they're going to have to you know find a, a different way to communicate. Hmm. And in, on that, can we please have something fucking weird, please? What do you mean by fucking weird? Oh, is it like the something? Yeah, I want these aliens to be alien if they're outside. You know the galaxy. Yeah. Outside this, you know, this barrier that Star Trek has, you know, around the uh, you know Milky Way yeah. galaxy, um, can we please have something which isn't humanoid? Hmm. And Basically. it's a yeah, just just something alien. Something that is character based, in the sense of if you remember the um, the Star Trek episode about that. Yeah. Yeah, just something weird, and it's. A, I am hopeful because the they uh, the nursery that they had seemed to you know the pods were quite large, mm. and um, some of these structures were you know, like massive bones, and you know it's supposed to be like a species that that's uh, evolved on a gas giant, and it's like yeah. so. In other words, you know, with all those things, if it's removed from you know the evolution and the um, buggering about that aliens have done in in a Star Trek canon hmm. with the you know seeded certain kinds of uh, you know DNA, and that's led to the similarity, which explains all the uh, you know it, oh it's just, yeah this is Bob from Planet X he's got a wobbly forehead. <laughs> And that's the yeah. only difference we can see. And it's like, yeah, that's that's all fine if you're just trying to get actors in prosthetic makeup. But we're in the era now where you can have some truly weird things. So can can we have someone who's truly weird and alien? So yeah, fingers crossed. That's me done. Um, and. So that's, that's Star Trek. We've got one last thing I think we need to talk about in person. We saw the Uncharted movie. Uh, and you've got nothing but enthusiasm for it. Um, hmm. Is it something that happened and we will never speak of it again? It's not the worst video game movie out there, but... Uh, that's, um, that's, that's not a high bar already. Yeah. And I just felt unrealistic in various respects. Like, say, for example, everybody constantly backstabbing each other, but then eventually having to trust each other. I was like, no, you, you guys have been backstabbing each other this entire movie. Why, why should you just suddenly turn around and go, ah, oh, no, you're on pal, really? Hmm. It um, the characters' motivations didn't really come through either. Like it wasn't particularly strong. Bar maybe one of them why they were there. Um, and the thing is though, so we've only played what like half an hour of the first game. But then, if you're adapting something 
you know, from a video game or whatever, or even a book, you shouldn't have to play or read, you know, the, the source material in order to appreciate the film. Like, that's, you know, like, but, heavy strikes, but this was just like, what? So, like, the, 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 the one, like, thing that really still irks me is the fact yeah. that basically... Um, they've, they've kind of followed the, the equivalent of like a treasure map to, yeah. you know, uh, this place where there's meant to be loads of gold. So this place where there's meant to be loads of gold um, is on two ships on the mainland somewhere. Uh, as in, like, you know, on the coast, but, like, yeah. you know, so, like, it's not exactly like an island drifting off of, you know, uh, in, in CX or whatever. It's on the mainland. Um it has sunshine from above, which means that it uh, basically has, um, you know, kind of a view to the sky. And um, the boats... So basically, why haven't they found it in Google Maps? Yeah. The boats themselves um, are, like, what, 500 years old at least? Something like that. Um, but, they're they're still, but the wood's still stable enough-ish. Ish. Basically, to be intact while they helicopter these boats up and out of this cavern with with uh, hole mm-hmm. in the and like because gold heavy, yeah, in general. So you've got a helicopter, or not even a full helicopter. It felt like it was like a half helicopter type thing. Um, that is basically carrying a large boat with tons of gold on, so it's going to be quite heavy, and it maintaining structural integrity while people pretty much fight on it and blast it and stuff. And only disintegrate um, at the very, very last moment when it, can, when it kind of gets dropped into the sea. And it's just like... No, I'm sorry. No. 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 It's good. Nope. No. I mean, there's, there's suspension of disbelief, and then there's like... Why? How does this make sense to, like, anybody? Because it's not even like explaining it like, oh, it's, you know, this magical material, or, you know, oh, oh this gold's, like, really, really stupidly light, or these are really, really powerful new helicopters that, you know, ultra-efficient or anything like that. It's just like, nope, that nothing like that it's just a helicopter pirate ship in essence um and yeah like no no i i can't no 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 and it believe me it takes a lot for a film to make me go no no i don't believe that it's when you you're spending more time watching it going really than just absorbing it, yeah. Because you know, a, a bit like you, you know, I, I can, you know, I can, I can just, you know, put my brain in the back seat, mm. and I can enjoy your spectacle. But when it, it passes as you know a um, a set amount of ludicrousness, that's when I'm just spending more time going, oh, that wouldn't do that. And that doesn't make sense. And why did they do that? And that was stupid. Yeah. And that would have blown up by now. <laughs> yeah. Well, when they're in Italy and 
they have to uh, what do they do? They have to basically unlock uh, like there's kind of weird puzzle as it were. Yeah. Barcelona. Yeah, Barcelona. Um, and they uh, kind of unlocked kind of uh, this one area underneath the city uh, that was basically beginning to flood, and um, basically they had to have somebody unlocking something from the top in order for the lid to open. Street so, level. Street level, so that they don't basically drown yeah. under the city. Um, and this... Um, there's basically this keyhole mm. that would need to be kind of unlocked for it in order for that to you know kind of happen is behind um like glass in a like a restaurant yeah like well yeah well it was kind of implied i think they were trying to imply that oh the restaurant like the building had been converted into a restaurant and you know how it's like even here in bloody cornwall where you get old build from several hundred years ago whatever turn into various things and the original fixtures are sometimes hanging about and this weird keyhole thing was one of those weird original fixtures which is all well and good but that was like you know super hard glass like yeah. that would not break unless it was shot with a bullet yeah uh, my main <laughs> issue with that sequence is actually right near the start of it where the they, they tried to imply that so basically, that whole setup for underground where they get when they get to it from, what, the, from the church, from the church, yeah. And it was like, okay, so you're telling me that the service tunnels mm. for power and various other things under the sea, underneath this church, are already all there. Any way, and it all looks pretty modern and stuff. And wait. Ha- how was that? How yeah. how is it? You had to go via the. Uh, it was just really confusing. I was yeah. Yeah, cause it's it's a slight that basically just grabbed one location, grabbed a completely different location, put like an underground tunnel between them. But then with the first location, it's like oh yes, this is like super secret, and nobody's ever managed to kind of get past this you know secret tunnel into the into the kind of gate uh, area. Um, since you know it was kind of built, and it's like, no, this 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 other location is basically um, a a club. Yeah. Where there's lots of dance and lots of music. The fuck. <laughs> but they they needed to dance bit. They needed like a nightclub bit. That's what their um, what their survey said. Mm. So that's where it was. <laughs> But, oh man, that, that that film just like it's a, just, just like you know um, everyone's favorite parts of um, Star Wars Episode Two and the Matrix uh, sequel, which are whatever the Matrix Two was um, called, I can't remember. Um, everyone's favorite, yeah, everyone's favorite um, sequences in that was when oh. You know, Obi, and um, no, no, it was. I can't remember which one now. It's, but yeah, the death sticks, whatever the, ah, yeah, the bollocks bit with the death sticks. You don't <laughs> want the death sticks, um, and of course the uh, you know the nightclub brave sequence in you know, the Matrix sequel. Yeah, 
Mm. That's everyone's favorite part. And not the, oh, Jesus Christ, it's this bit. I'm just going going to go make a coffee or something. Yeah. I mean, that's. I'm not going to say that it could never work, like, you know, kind of clubs and whatnot, in, in terms, but it's like. Mm, like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't know, how did you feel about uh, when Venom 2 um, entered the club? What was it when he literally went into the club and had the whole glow stick experience? Yeah, yeah. Was that cringy? I thought it was just kind of cute. Okay. Okay. But um, Uncharted movie, I literally was finding it very hard to track what any character motivations really were. Um, or how they, how the characters work because they're like the massive trust issues. Yeah. Like the like even less trust than a normal heist movie. And you did say when we came out of the cinema that it kind of reminded you of that episode of Rick and Morty. Well, yeah, because of the double crossing whilst some form of heist was going on. Uh, did you anyway, did you watch that that Netflix one with uh, the Rock? Oh, Ryan Reynolds and the Rock. Y- that yes, one, that one's good. Yes, red nose. Yeah, yeah, red nose. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That was it. Um, but it was it was just you know because loads of double crossing and that, but that was well done. Yeah, yeah. It, but also that actually had a comedic element to it on purpose, whereas Uncharted movie, oh dear, was it, it's... like it's not meant to be comedic. The characters, some of the characters might be comedic, but the film's not meant to be comedic. It's meant to be an, a, a more of a straight action film. Was um, was there audience laughter at bits? No, and it felt yeah. like they were trying to set it up for its own like movie universe, which is like optimistic. Yeah, yeah. I know. To be honest, I think like Marvel's done it. Marvel's got their cinematic universe. It's you know all the hype and whatnot. Everybody else that tries to do that fails it feels like it's it's i'm not sure whether it's necessarily something to aspire to yeah like a, a like a cinematic universe in that respect it's it's fine when you've got decades and decades and decades of comics that you can draw upon and they're all set in the same universe or at least a version you know yeah. there's there's some kind of link that you can use in that but when you purposefully try to build that with other movies that don't mm. have that background, it's it's or even DC are having trouble with that. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, DC's a fucking mess. And you know they've got decades of comics, you know, to draw upon, like Marvel, but it, it's hard. I think part, part of the problem with DC uh, in, in terms of the comics is that as far as I can tell um, like say for example like Batman a lot of it, its stuff is kind of individual stories that are kind of not necessarily designed to be in a uh, overarching sequence of mm. like you know throughout Bat- Batman's lives it's basically just like you know this thing happened and then this thing happened um, you know as kind of almost like two separate like the comics could almost be separate universes from each, you know, kind of like, say for example, you have like the, um, was it Batman Arkham Asylum uh, kind of stuff. And then you have like Batman, uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, 
was it the Killing Joke or something maybe? Yeah. Um, and you know those those kind of feel like yeah they could be like a a a run or they could be like individual things. And yeah, I, I presume. Uh, yeah. Well, I know that Marvel. You could kind of argue uh, had a similar thing in its you know earlier days, but I feel like the MCU has kind of linked them into a, like a, a sequence. Yeah. A bit better. Yes. But yeah, and, with, and that's with, coming it, from me, who's generally not a Marvel comics fan. Hmm. But they've done well with the movies, so yeah. you know. Anyway. Positive. I, I, I think. I don't know, maybe I'm talking shit. But... Yeah, I think yeah. that, <laughs> that that is all I've got for this episode. So it is good night from. It's good night from me, Paul Wood. I'm Retroid on Eurogamer.net and Super Retroid on Twitter. It's good night. Uh, no, it's good night from me, Paul Blood. I'm on Twitter at Paul Blood. And it's good night for me, Emily King. I'm on Twitter at EMKingMA. You can find notes for this episode over at www.nerdassemble.co.uk. You can find us on Instagram and, Nerds, and, and Twitter at Nerds Podcast. From Facebook, it's Nerds Assemble Podcast. Uh, episodes are available on most popular streaming podcasty places, networks, apps, whatever, where you tend to get your audio. Um, that's all we've got time for. So, uh, good night. Good night. Good night. It's the Nerd Cinematic Universe. <laughs> the Cinematic Universe kind of implies that, you know, each individual kind of like spin off type thing, like you know, Chef Thor, you have Captain America, you have Iron Man. They're all separate stories, but like you don't know. Oh, fact, that ends with us a cinematic. All, all that were cinematic. That's that's very true. Pardon me. We're in a universe. The nerds are in a universe. Mm-mm. It's the best we can do. And also, look at the state of this one. Sorry. <laughs>